1: As the wise queens of Paris' Burning and RuPaul's Drag Race have taught us, reading is fundamental. In our hectic 24-7, 21st century lives, carving out time to enjoy a good book can be difficult, but so rewarding when one really hits the spot. So for this year's Best of 2022 episodes, the Great Pop Culture Debate has decided to add another topic to the mix as our panelists share their thoughts on what we think are the best books of 2022. I used to get beat up for reading comic books, and now y'all are losing your minds over Marvel movies. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. Please help me welcome our amazing panel. He has many leather-bound books. It's Bob Erlenbeck.
2: Uh, Eric, I I feel like I'm doing this podcast incorrectly. I I feel like I should be talking about filthy books. Would you like me to talk about filthy books? Anytime
1: you want to. And by the way, we're gonna be coming out. This
2: Rob is so long
1: Did you, halfway through reading it, did you realize you are becoming your mother? Oh, no. As I was doing a line of coke off of it, (laughs) I had to stop halfway to suck Moby Dick. (laughs) All right, there you go. I I knew he was going to do a bit. I didn't know what it was. So thank you all for playing along. She's the nerd who read every single assigned reading in high school. It's Jennifer Chen. Hi, Eric. That is true. It is. You were saying yeah. that the, the the jocks used to actually ask you in homeroom.
3: Yes, I got so back when AOL was our internet. That yes, the ancient times. if you remember that? You don't um, still use AOL. <laughs> I don't. Believe it or not, I don't still have my girl star seventeen email. Um, <laughs> but. He came to me with a sheet of paper that was what the summary of Catcher in the Rye. And it was all about Catcher in the Rye being about baseball. Oh. And I had to tell him in homeroom, like, that's actually not what the book is about. And he's like, well, what is it about? And I'm like, I don't know if I could sum it up in like, <laughs> in, this, in this, the time you need me to do it. So, yes.
1: That is a YA novel right in and of itself, right? Like this dumb, stupid boy. <laughs> was he at least cute, Jennifer? I had a crush on him in middle school. Mm, we'll allow it we'll allow okay, it. okay. Yeah. Uh, and next is that Nelf a fairy? No, it's Michael Schwartz.,
0: uh, call me a fairy, Call me a pixie. I don't care.
1: I live in a world of pure imagination. you do and working with you is always a fantasy, Michael, so we're glad to have you back.
0: Oh, uh, our- God, it's <clears throat> fiction. <laughs>
1: our best of episodes are a little different than our usual format there's no polls there's no brackets barely even any debating our panelists just go on and do pop culture show and tell of our individual top three books for the year these could be traditional hardcovers or paperbacks digital releases prose or graphic novels do you disagree with some of our picks do you want to add your own favorites to the discussion head to greatpopculturedebate.com and leave a comment on this episode or find us on twitter instagram youtube tiktok mastodon hive facebook god knows what else it'll be but at this point when this comes out uh My and tell space. us
2: what to, yes
1: <laughs> aol chat rooms there we go <laughs> with that out of the way let's get to these top threes i'm gonna start in alphabetical order and that means bob is up first wow. with his first pick sorry you knew that was coming go for it Bob.
2: always <laughs> um yeah so I kind of to preface really my all of my picks today, they're either YA or, you know, one of them is really kind of YA adjacent involves young adult characters, but um, falls into the comic book realm. But, um, you know, for me, most of what I read and what I love and what I really enjoy and most of what I read this year in 2022 was YA a lot of YA. And if you follow us on any of our socials, we do what's called um, Culture Club every Saturday and where our panel suggests, you know, certain pop culture things that they're loving for the week. And more often than not, I was probably recommending either one of these books I'm going to talk about or um, something YA um, adjacent for television or whatever. So um, for me, YA is always something that I've loved and it's called out to me from, I just love that teen angst, just the the absolute high drama of a YA with just the lowest possible stakes in a lot of the circumstances. Like everything just becomes so intensely emotional over just very adolescent and simple things. I just love it and always have. Um, so uh, that's really a lot of the picks I'll have today of, of, of the few that, that we'll talk about. Um, the first one that I want to talk about is called Out of the Blue, and it is a fun little book by Jason June, who is um, obviously, uh, it's, a, it's YA, it's a YA queer book um, by a queer author. And it, it's a lot of fun. It's a fish out of water story. It's really a modern day kind of splash or Little Mermaid um, oh. type of story story um and really the the main character his name is crest um and he is a mermaid and he has to go and part of the mermaid tradition is that they go on this um this kind of trek on land where they have to go they have to go on land and they have to help a human being within one moon cycle within a month basically um help them with something in their lives it's um could be anything um that they need help with in their lives and and if they don't do that they end up stuck on land forever and you know he ends up on land in in Los Angeles and he meets a another Young uh, man named Sean, and he is a human lifeguard who has recently been dumped by his boyfriend. and And his focus, really, his intense focus, this Sean, is to get back at his boyfriend and make his boyfriend jealous. and And the the Merboy um, crest sees this as his opportunity. Well, I can help you with that. And I don't know if I want to spoil it from you know, but I think you could probably infer as to how that story is going to go and play out. And there's a lot more to it than just that. There's a lot of gender dynamics in this as well, because, you know, there is um, Sean, who's gay and, and Crest, who is really what would be perce- what would be non-binary and is really exploring and understanding gender, um, just happens to be in a male form on, on land, um, you know, but in, in the ocean, they're a merperson. So um, there's a lot of um, a lot of interesting takes on that um, theme, and a lot of the other LGBT themes that you would you would see with books. But I loved this book from like beginning to end. It, it's really a lark. It's not anything that's going to rock your world or or you know be the the next great you know novel of American literature. But it's so much fun and it's so good for for that young adult crowd. Um, you know, meet mer people and teen angst. I don't know what could be more for me. I'm in heaven with that. Right. Um, it's got self discovery, which shows the reader how really. You can become so obsessed with one thing that you might not realize some of the things that are right in front of you um, and right under your nose, especially when it comes to love. um things can be you know this 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 book kind of goes to me like below the surface, no pun intended um, on some of that gender identity, growing up, finding love um in unlikely places, et cetera so. I highly recommend it. Um, it was a great summer read. I know summer's over and it's the end of the year, but um, Jason June's a great author. They have um, several books um, out already, and and this was just a really, really good, fun book to read, and I highly recommend it, certainly if you love YA. You
1: mean you had me with a title that's a Debbie Gibson reference, and then <laughs> oh, you kept me mm-hmm. when you said it's basically Gay Splash. Uh, so... <laughs> oh, absolutely.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> which we're going to call swish should be talking to her lawyers right now. <laughs> Ron Howard should be saying, hold on, what's going on,
1: <laughs> Michael, you wanted to add something?
0: Oh, no, no. I was just, amen, sister. Amen.
1: Oh, he was, let the, <laughs> the sister say amen. Um, Jennifer, you're a, you're a big YA person. Were right? you familiar yes. with this book?
3: I actually have seen the cover, and I it's it's a really striking cover because it's like half of his body's in the in the pool with the yes. Yes. their body is it's got the mermaid tail, so it's very striking. That's they how, have red when you hair.
2: "I love a good ginger."
3: He does love a yeah. ginger; it's true.
2: As soon <laughs> yeah. as you said it, I was like, "I've seen that cover." There's <laughs> a lot. There's a lot of good. And speaking of the cover, that's really I I love that you bring that up, Jennifer, because the 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 cover is awesome because. Um, the the Sean the the land folk um it's a lot of got got a lot of good po- body positivity because he's he's a husky fellow he's not what you would traditionally think of as like you know the Adonis type love interest in in a in a story like this there, there's very much that that body positivity of like love comes in all shapes and sizes and and so I loved that about the book as well
1: that's great um a question I did want to say what age group is this appropriate for because I I know we have some listeners who have kids who are dealing with their own gender and sexual identity issues. But I want to make sure that if we're putting recommendations out that we think it's, you know, an appropriate level.
2: Yeah, it's it, I will also say not only is it body positive, it, there is some sex positivity to it as well. So there's some definitely some some steamy sections of the book. So I would say it, it's it's definitely, you know, I, I would have been fine reading in, in you know, like seventh, eighth, junior high type grade. But I think it's a little bit a little bit more mature, maybe that, you know, just above that junior junior high grade.
1: You were also a slag, though. Um, No, but I'm just kidding. i was a total slut. (laughs) Um, So we're saying like 16 and up.
2: Yeah, I think 16 and up. Or um, in my case, 40 plus.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Perfect. Well, thank you, Bob. That's that's terrific. Speaking of gay themed romances that are definitely more uh, 18 plus, I'd like to talk about my first pick, which is Sins of the Black Flamingo by Travis Moore and Andrew Wheeler. Uh, This is a comic pick. Uh, Let me start off by saying my rubric. Um, I'm illiterate. Um, I have not read an actual <laughs> yes. like book book in years, not because I don't love it, and I do love a good actual book. It's just timing-wise, I never find the time to do it, and yet I still find time to read comic books every week. But I, I will say that I have scaled way back on my comic reading from my heyday when I was probably getting... 30, 40 per week, and now it's closer to like maybe five or six. Um, So my picks for this are all going to be comic books because I am a child, Um, but they're more adult-oriented comic books, and this one in particular is very much for an adult audience because uh, Sins of the Black Flamingo is an indie noir miniseries. It just knocked my socks off, and I'm one of the few gay men who actually still wear socks, so that's high praise (laughs) indeed. Um, this follows the exploits of thief Sebastian Harlow aka the Black Flamingo frequently shirtless, dazzlingly beautiful and extremely gay the Black Flamingo is pulling a job in the most mega of Madaga outposts in Florida when he encounters something completely unexpected also being held by the so-called God Warriors who very clearly are worshipping something other than God. What follows is a fast paced five issue affair with capers, intriguing supporting characters a complicated but compellingly nor narcissistic protagonist, occult twists, and some very hot gay sex. Uh, My basement, it was flooded several times. (laughs) Writer Travis Moore does a great job capturing both the highs and lows of being an A-gay, mixed with thievery and demonic artifacts. Artist Andrew Wheeler provides absolutely gorgeous visuals. I'm not really a twink guy, but even I was stunned by Sebastian's beauty and the fact that homosexuals around this great country of ours did not show up as the black flamingo for Halloween 2022 is proof enough that this property desperately needs more attention. The five issues are all available for purchase in comic shops or digitally now, and the trade paperback will be released by Image in February. The final issue teases us that the Black Flamingo will return, and I eagerly await his next adventure. So, has anyone else read this? That would be me. <laughs> I know Bob has similar thoughts.
2: Yeah, I've read it. I I completely agree with everything that you said. It is unapologetically gay. Like gay <laughs> gay gay it is it is a lot of fun like from top to bottom like it it's a roller coaster ride. It's fun. It's it's exciting. You never really know what's going to happen. There's some really really clever and, and interesting twists, especially in those last few issues. Like some yeah. really fun twists of like, oh okay, so that didn't really happen, and this is what's going on. So I really really loved it. So I agree with your pick. Um, certainly in the comic arena.
1: Yeah. How gay is it? Uh, he has sex with someone he doesn't really like just to have sex with him, and then proceeds to ignore him for the rest of the series. That yeah, is Grindr. how gay it is. Grindr. It's basically Grindr the comic book. No, but in all seriousness, it is actually is very well written. Um, I thought it was very true and insightful into the gay community, and the gay community does not always love having a mirror held up to itself, see bros and looking. <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm. But um, it was also very entertaining, and I'm hoping it's the beginning of what will be a great new kind of ongoing series for this character. I think there's so much potential on this property, both as a graphic novel comic book, it, it could easily be translated to film or television very easily. Yes. Or yes, or even prose yeah, <laughs> or even prose novels. So um highly recommended. And again, that art is just beautiful. I'd never seen Wheeler stuff before and I was just blown away how by how good it is. Uh with that being said, Jen, I would like to pass it over to you for your first pick.
3: So for my first pick, um it's School for Good Mothers by Jessamine Chan. I'm hoping I'm saying her name correctly. But um I was gonna say that it's like Handmaid's Tale meets but I'm a cheerleader Mm. so Frida Liu is a Chinese um, mother and raising a kid divorced her husband has left her for a very young Instagram yoga instructor Um, (laughs) and basically she's alone they moved to I'm trying to remember what city it is oh my goodness I think it's Pittsburgh they anyway it's in, she basically moves to a new neighborhood, doesn't know anyone, and is taking care of her kids, still working, all of that. She decides one day to go to work. She needs to go to work to finish something. She leaves her toddler at home for like an hour and a half. She comes back and there's like police um, and they uh, take her to the police station and Child Protective Services has the kid. And so it's, it starts out sort of very in this world of she finds out that they're gonna you know investigate her and sort of what is she doing, why, was she, why did she leave her kid alone? And then it's, it starts to devolve into the Child Protective Services is launching this Big Brother type program where they're gonna monitor her in her home and watch if she is a good parent. Um, she doesn't pass that test, unfortunately, and she gets sent to the school for good mothers which is as horrifying as that title sounds. It's mm. um, it's very Handmaid's Tale of the, the TV show version. I know the, the book is, is similar, but in the TV show, it's kind of very similar world. Um, and what I really liked about it was it's, as a parent and as a mom and as a woman of color mother, I feel like there's so much judgment placed on um, me, <laughs> versus my husband, who's a, who's a white guy. And and I think she captures a lot of the, like, stereotypes of what is a good mother, that you have to self-sacrifice, that you're supposed to do everything for your child. Um, I don't want to reveal too much, but there is, like, a, it turns... It, the genre turns to a very sci-fi world of what actually happens at school. Um, and there's a separate school for fathers, but they are less strict with the fathers because they're allowed to roam free and do their thing, but the mothers have a very Handmaid's Tale type of life where they're cleaning and um, getting lessons in how to be a good mom and how you can heal your child through love when they're sick. I mean, it's really crazy stuff, but at the same time, it's it feels so real at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like, mm-hmm. I felt like Handmaid's Tale was like something that I could see happening. Sure. <laughs> But, like obviously didn't it hasn't, but this is what's something that like felt very real um, and the judgment that comes from like who's a good mom and who isn't.
1: Yeah, I think that's actually that's super compelling sounding. So if you had to describe this genre wise mm-hmm. is that this sounds like it's
3: uh, uh, suspense. I felt like it was, yeah, suspense meets like the back half. I was just stunned because it kind of goes into this, um, yeah, I guess sci-fi is the best word to describe it where it goes. Fascinating. Yeah.
1: Fascinating. Yeah. And I mean, when you were saying, you know, like you can heal your child through love, I actually don't think that's that far off when you look at in some of the MLM schemes that are out there right now with, you know, I, I won't even get to get into it. Cause you say one thing and suddenly someone's on your Instagram coming after you, but like, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm so to yeah, it does seem- oils. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about what? <laughs> Look over there. Um but no that that the I I think it's actually quite real and uh very potent for the world we're living in. So thank you. That sounds yeah. like a great pick. Uh Michael, would you like to talk to us about your first pick and a little bit about like your approach?
0: Sure. So, I'm OG Nerd. Um I've been reading the- Basically, I ninety nine percent of what I read is science fiction and fantasy. I read to escape. I love the creation of worlds, and like my world, my like reading journey starts with the very classics: Isaac Asimov and J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, Stephen Baxter, David Eddings, Robert Jordan, kind of thing. Um, if you sense a trend, yes, all cis white males um, <laughs> kind of thing. But that's why I think that in the picks that I have for you tonight, um, it's all about the diversity and the new way that I see fantasy and science fiction moving to in the future. Um, so that's why tonight I bring you, Bob, this may be, I don't know if this is an author you know, but I have Tara Sim. Um, her This is her first adult book. She does write a lot of YA previously to this. Ooh. Yes, this is the City of Dusk, um, the first book in her Dark Gods series, and I want to say that it's it's typical in a lot of science fiction ways, and it's gods and humans in a a great setting. But what really caught me about this is the character development. We don't have a single protagonist in this story. It's four protagonists. It's basically devised around the basic concepts of the world: life, death, light, and darkness, and it takes place in one city and the city is divided in four because it is the nexus for where all the gods have come together in the past. Gods have abandoned the people of this realm and the four protagonists are trying to figure out how to get them to come back and interact with them so that they can save the world only to discover that there is more nefarious plans at at foot than what they would think that they are. You know, gods are ben are benevolent, but they're not always looking out for your best interest, which is a common theme amongst a lot of fantasy novels and everything like that. But I think for me, in this terms, it is the characters are across the spectrum. They are white, they are POC, they are pan, they are bi, they are gay, they are whatever fits into the category at the moment for them. And you get a good sense of what real characters, because a lot of these stories that come into the fantasy world are about the characters it's about the world building that happens and the characters that happen and the character development i think that tara sim really does a great job at starting out like for her first adult book i'm actually going to be tempted to go back and read some of her ya stuff and see what that's like too um i'll let you know bob but i think that she's done a great job at hooking me in with the characters that she developed in this first Volume of her series that I am pretty committed to following it through to the end. And I'm a guy that like when I find something that I like, I read it through. My favorite author is Robert Jordan, The Wheel of Time series, 14 books long, eight to 900 pages each book. So if I commit, you got me. So I think that she did a really good job of this. And like I find something in each of the main protagonists, each of the four of them, that I can truly identify with, whether it's a bit of fanaticism, ambition, a loss of trying to find oneself in a new world for each other. I really, that that, that just drew me into this. And I gotta say that I did not read a ton of new books this year. I specifically went out looking for stuff. 2022 was a year of comfort for my reading. I read, reread a lot of stuff this year. So when I dedicated myself to something new, I wanted to make sure that it was something that I was going to be able to really enjoy and really get something out of for the year.
1: And you feel that this did that?
0: I did. This is really, this is going to give me something to look forward to her. I think 2023, the next volume is due. I'm going to be looking forward to that. Um, she'll at least get an honorable mention probably on my list for next year. So we'll see how she does, but I am very optimistic. She's a Bay Area author and I think that it just she really built something for me.
2: Is it is it a quick read or is it a more dense like a Robert Jordan type book or um, it's not a it's not a quick read
0: but it's not a it's not a Wheel of Time read where you really got to sit and read through it everything. It's about 550 pages long um, and it really it,
2: you can speed through it like I probably read it in a week and a half. Okay. Is there any YA in that specific book, or is it just her previous books? That... Her previous books are YA books. This is her first ad- adult novel.
1: And is this, do you know how many are in the series? It has not been um, kind
0: of a, I'm going to take a stab that it. since it's her first time out, she'll probably stick to a standard trilogy for it. Hmm. But there's, no, there's nothing to indicate how many books they're intending to write in this world.
1: Great. All right. Well, thank you. Um, That's a great first round one. Uh, With that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with our round two picks after these messages. Welcome back to our best of 2022 books episode. We're going to move on to our second round of picks, and Bob, you're up again.
2: All right. So um, I'm going to add another comic book pick to the list. Um, it's a it's a collection at this point, so I I felt good about um, including this, and it was. Recently, let me back up. You talked a little bit about your comic journey, Eric. For me, I you got me into comics. Is for all you know, if, if I want to be honest, I had read some, but until you really introduced me to the good stuff, like I I wasn't a big comic book person. But recently, in recent years, I've really started to get back into them. And, and this book, um, Superman Son of Kal El, which um, which is um, from DC, from Tom Taylor, um, Volume One, The Truth is a, the collection, the first collection of the six first six issues. Of that um, came out in May of this of this year. Um, this is the book that really reminded me, again, why I love comics and why I love comic book characters. It is YA adjacent because Superman Son of Kal-El is about John Kent, um, Superman and Lois Lane's son. Um, he has taken on the mantle of Superman in this book because Superman is off-world dealing with, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Wor- War World saga? I think. Is that right? Yeah. So he's off world. So somebody needed to take the mantle of of Superman. And it's really John dealing with growing up, learning who he is, who he's going to be as Superman. It's so, you know, he is very much in the vein of, Really, the current generation of kids that we have—I guess I don't know what generation letter run—is it Q, Z, Y? I'm not sure. Um, but he's I, really I don't about activism, social inequality, fighting for social equality. You know, um, human rights-focused stories. He gets um, kind of wrapped up into this group with um, this character named Jay Nakamura, who uh, works for this underground journalism site called The Truth, um, which fights. You know, under. Underneath it all is fighting some of these, these um, causes, this activism, the social, the social equality pieces, things like that, the human rights um, fights, and as he continues to grow closer with this Jay, John starts to learn a little bit more about himself. And this is, this is the story that you may have heard throughout, throughout the last year, the the story of how Superman has dealt with his sexuality and has realized either, you know, he, he is queer, um, in this, he is bi and, you know, but he's going to be having a, a relation. He has a relationship with this Jay, Um, and it's really one of the most beautiful things to see from a representation perspective for me, um, with regards to this character who is Superman, you know, and and everybody's perception of who Superman is as Clark Ken. This is John, right? Um, and it talk and it really sets up like it Superman is a not about being bro or masculine or anything like that. Although some people in you know the world may may see Superman that way or or treat him in that way. That's really not what he represents or, or or should be what he represents. Um, it's it's what he does that was what he should represent. And you know these are just pieces of who he is, and it kind of turns Superman on its head a little bit um, and shows us a new version of this character. Um, I loved it. It's the writing is great. The art is amazing. It was um, started with. Um, John Timms is an artist. It currently has cyan. cyan I think it's Cyan Tormy, CN, I'm not sure. Um, but both artists were, were are terrific. Um, you know, these people are some of the some big talents in comic books right now. Tom Taylor. If you haven't read some of his other books, um, like Deceased, um, Dark Knights of Steel, things like that. Like he for me right now is is my top writer when it comes to comic books. Um, And then, really, the last piece of this is the parent-child dynamics between him and his father are really excellent, and and Superman really does prove him. Superman Clark Kent really does prove himself to be the father that we all needed him to be, um, and how he how he treats um, John in this in this discovery of himself. So, if you love comics, if you love Superman, if you love YA, if you love if you love representation and and really relate and connect with lgbt themes this is a phenomenal book for you um i loved it beginning i've loved it beginning to end um it is going to be the series will be ending and and changing title um because superman is back now um and we're dealing with that return as we speak in in the actual um month to month comics but um that's a little bit long-winded but that's that's the reason that i'm so long-winded on is because i love it so much and i think it's it's really taught me a lot about why why i love comics and and why i why i read them in the first place so
1: yeah uh, everyone i know who's read that loves it i actually have not um jennifer michael have either of you read it i know jennifer your husband is also a huge comic fan like i am that's how we know each other yes i haven't read it he hasn't read it yeah um It did remark uh, to Bob when this was coming out that not only do you have a bisexual Superman, DC also has a lesbian Batwoman. Robin is bisexual. Correct. Um, One of the people operating as Wonder Woman right now is is a lesbian and and a person of color. Um, Like among their kind of like top tier kind of icons they're r- remarkably inclusive. I mm-hmm. believe one of the flashes is non-binary and it's absolutely fascinating to me that like, you know, 20, 30 years ago when I was reading these books, that that never would have happened, mm-hmm. right? You could never have conceived of such a thing. And the fact that now it's being embraced is really wonderful to see. So.
2: Yeah, there's the teen justice team as well, which is in a multi, like a multiverse type, multiversity type thing, Um and all of those characters are kind of turned on their heads for for all of the main kind of Justice League type, um, young Justice type characters. Um, but to clarify, Tim Drake, right, Robin, just for those listeners right. who may not realize, Tim Drake, Robin, is the one that is bisexual, not Damian or or Dick. <laughs>
1: right. Thank you. As much as you may wish it.
2: <laughs> right. Exactly. From his ample his ample well, have booty, you seen Nightwing's ass lately. <laughs> I know it's 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 a meme
1: (laughs) that's America's ass ladies and gentlemen all right well thank you for that Bob I will continue the comic uh thing going I'm sure if you don't read comics you're like but but wait (laughs) there's more um first off uh, so my second pick is Aquaman Andromeda by Ram V and Christian war this is from DC Black Label um do not be put off because this is a book featuring Aquaman while he's mostly known as the undersea equivalent of the Arrow shirt model who can talk to fishies, or as Kale Drogo swarmed with garish CGI, this is a very different Aquaman. Because it's part of DC's black label line, it's not in continuity, there's no Justice League, there's seemingly no Superman or awareness of other aliens on Earth. This is instead a very down-to-Earth or rather deep below the surface sci-fi horror story that features Aquaman as arguably a supporting character, as a group of scientists are sent in experimental submarines Marine off the books to investigate a deep undersea crash that appears to cover extraplanetary origins at times. This was reminiscent of both James Cameron's, the abyss and the original alien movie. Um, Andromeda primarily follows a scientist, Yvette Verne, who knows pretty much from the jump that something is very wrong about this mission that she's finding herself on. And as the story unfolds and more details about the crew of the Andromeda revealed, there's a pervasive feeling of dread that just overwhelms the pages. And that's very impressive for a comic. Like, to be that evocative of emotions as a a printed form that's, you know... words and images on a page that that actually takes a lot of skill while Aquaman himself is present as well as two other notable supporting cast members for that kind of Aquaman series, this is a fresh humanizing take on the character that straddles both his comic and film versions you don't need to know anything about the character or his adventures to read Andromeda, it is self-contained, and the characters discover Aquaman at the same time that the reader does. Ram V has been getting a lot of uh, work at DC lately, he's writing a bunch of books now, and this three-issue prestige format series makes it clear why. His reading writing is evocative and economical, and he has a real gift for setting tone. There are certain elements of the story that are highly reminiscent of other stories that have come before it. Lovecraft, John Carpenter also feel pretty crucially informative here, but there are still surprises as as the series unfolds i was previously totally unaware of artist christian ward but my god what a talent this art is lush it feels like you were underwater there's a real difference in styles between the panels that take place on the sub and the dreamy warped visuals in the sea itself it's absolutely terrific work and it's a perfect blend of visuals and storytelling for a memorable project all three issues of andromeda are available in print and digital so far as i'm aware there's not a collected edition to be released but this is one that i would consider buying as a hardcover if and when it comes out because it's it's really beautiful and i would be happy to have it on my bookshelf so um i don't know if anybody has read that one it's kind of a deep cut i guess no pun intended but uh i was very i I got it from a recommendation recommendation shout out to mike from i read comic books podcast uh and i was so glad that he recommended it because i thought it was just terrific
2: ram ram Uh, he's the one he's writing i think act no detective comics right now. Is that right?
1: I know he's writing swamp thing. He's oh. doing a whole redo of swamp thing. He may also be writing. He's writing a bunch of stuff. It's right
2: just now. the letter V right? Ram V. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yep. I think he's writing the, the new detective comics, which is pretty dark. Um, the, the Batman book. Um, but no, I, I have not read that Eric, but like based on basically everything you just said, absolutely. It's something it sounds like I would in, enjoy. Um, And I like those characters, so.
1: If you like The Abyss and Alien, uh, it's right up, like, very much, like, towards the end of uh, issue one, I was like, this is essentially The Abyss, but with Aquaman, which is not a read that's actually praise because I love The Abyss.
2: I love The Abyss, especially the director's cut.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, well thank you for letting me speak about that Jen do you want to take your second pick
3: sure and I realized I didn't mention what I chose I wanted to pick from different genres that I like so I like um, fiction I like nonfiction, and I like YA so I and romance so I wanted to kind of pick from each genre so there's a ton of books that I loved this year so I, I it's hard to pick Three, but I wanted to pick the the top three I had in each category.
1: Thank you. I, although that being said, I'm eager to hear some honorable mentions as well.
3: I've got some. Yeah, I have those as well. But it's um, I picked for my one of my best nonfiction books this year is "Inciting Joy" um, by Ross Gay. Um, it's a collection of essays. Um, he is a poet, and he is um, a black man, and he writes. I've I started reading um, his his book. He had I can't remember fifth in 2020 or 2021, but um, it was called the Book of Delights, and it just is a an essay collection of things that bring him joy. And it was the first thing I've read in a while that I was like, this is delightful. Like there's <laughs> nothing. It's just a, a, I'm enjoying each essay. So when this came out, I was really excited to read it. It's a it's basically how he thinks of joy in the times of hardship so it's a combination of like him sharing some really uncomfortable truths about himself his vulnerability um he talks about being a basketball coach and him having a very masculine um shaming way of coaching and he admits to that and he sees sort of like how that was detrimental not only to him but to his the kids he was coaching and he also kind of talks about how he was brought into sports that way and what it was like for him to go to college on scholarship and also be treated the same way so it's it's sort of like it's a world I don't know like I don't I didn't care about college sports went to NYU but it really helped me to kind of understand the the way that sports and masculinity they're so tied together Um, he writes a really beautiful essay about his dad dying and They don't have a great relationship, but he kind of reflects on the times they did. And um, it's a really beautiful to me. I'm like, I felt like he was really truthful and vulnerable and beautifully written and funny um, and just different essays on different topics. And so I just, I recommend it to anyone who's just wanting something that's like, it helps you think about things differently. That's, I just felt that way about it.
1: Would you say if you were um, going to compare it to if you liked the works of X author, you would mm. like this? Any any ideas? Oh goodness! When mm. I think essays,
3: because I'm basic, I always go to David Sedaris. But I, I was think, gonna yeah. Go ahead. I I almost said that, but I, I I think of David Sedaris as like funny, funny, like laugh out loud funny. But I don't I don't feel the same way about Roskay. But. Um, he's a poet so his his writing is so beautiful and gorgeous and I just think he's kind of in his own category I don't know who else to compare him to um he it kind of feels like he's having a conversation with you we're just like pals and he has an essay about grief and he has this beautiful metaphor of like grief should be like a big potluck party where everybody comes over and we just all hang out with our grief and we sit together and we allow people to feel it and kind of ride the wave of it instead of, you know, um, hiding it.
1: That's lovely. And, yeah. I feel like that's very much needed at this time because I think we're all still grieving a lot over the past couple of years and we're still yeah. just kind of dealing with the repercussions of this incredible trauma um, well thank you for that Jennifer that's 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 terrific uh, Michael your second pick
0: well that's kind of heavy to follow um... <laughs> Well, do it anyway. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. Please, you know I'm not shy about that stuff.
2: So moving Worst on. The place to be is between Michael Schwartz and a microphone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or Bob and a camera. There exactly.
2: Uh, <laughs> there we go. Oh, God, go. thank you. I needed to get that out. Well, you wanted the, the insults, Michael. You wanted the insults.
0: <laughs> okay, so tonight for you in our second choice, I bring you uh, Master of Gin by P. Jolly Clark. Clark is a New York based author. He lives in the Queens here. Um, and this is his full fledged novel that is based, that follows a novelette, short story kind of uh, book that he wrote that was called A Dead Gin in Cairo. And what appealed to me about this?
1: I think we do need to clarify, Michael, because this is an audio format, that when we say gin, we're talking D-J-I-N-N. Yes, not as in genie. G-I-N, G-I-N yes. as in the drink that I wish I had a cup of right now. <laughs> oh,
0: of course. You know, absolutely. We're talking about genies. We're talking about gin here. Um, this is Fantasy Science Fiction Corner with Michael. Um, so... Um, what I liked about this is that it's um it's a couple of things wrapped into one for me. It's it's definitely fantasy-ish with magic and gin and all that kind of fun stuff for us. It is a bit alternative history because it takes place in nineteen twelve in Cairo, um in an Egypt that was never colonized by the British. Hmm. And then it is also a little bit of a I wanna call it almost Victorian era mystery kind of thing that you've got going on here for us. And you have your main character in here, Fatma, um, who is from the novel Et. She was a person who helped reintroduce magic into the world, stopped and saved the universe from total destruction, um, and then she becomes the protagonist that exists in this. So we have an Arab woman as our main protagonist in this story, which I'm loving. All the different cultural aspects that come out of this novel for me, you know, it just I'm just a, I, I love the study of culture. So I love learning about anywhere else that's going to give me something new about the way other people live. And this becomes a a, mur- a little bit of a murder mystery with magic and jinn and this new like. You have Cairo that's never been colonized by the English for you. And they have magic um, cars and things floating through the air and everything. And you get this whole very Middle Eastern or Arab Egyptian culture feel from it. But the whole story revolves around a murder. Uh, A number of people are being murdered that belong to a society of people that that look up to revere the man who really reintroduced magic to the entire world so you have this whole history of the world that exists that we know about and then in the mid 1800s a, a an egyptian mystic discovers how to cross the mundane and the magic back together again and these people that are following him start to get murdered um and it's all about the the murderer is the guy that discovered magic again but we're not sure about that. And you, you have to follow through on your little breadcrumbs that exist in any mystery novel for you with some great characters, some very different way of looking at the world. I love alternate his- alternative history when it comes to science fiction and fantasy. Let's tell the story of what hap- what would have happened. And when we get to honorable mentions, I do have to, in that vein, it's an old book that I always recommend to people. But we'll talk about that when we get to honorable mentions. Um, but yeah, it's it just intrigued me. It sucked me in. I wanted to follow the story. I wanted to find out who did it. I wanted to know what like was going to happen to Fatma. You know, even she still fights like, even though the King English never um, colonized Egypt, you still have these very strict gender roles that exist. And how do you how are you a woman of power that fights against the, the patriarchy and the establishment that exists when you're capable of doing so much? And I think that just part of a great story for us.
1: So and um, I get do you do you have to have read the novella to be able to no. pick this up? You can pick it up from.
0: St- Correct. And, I did not read the novelette until after I had finished this.
1: Okay, great. And, so it gave me some uh, keys
0: when I got it, but it didn't impact being able to read the story.
1: Excellent, excellent. And um, I was surprised to hear that it was a fantasy mystery which is not something that i yeah that's really interesting personally that's super interesting i don't usually think of those two genres kind of being mashed together again maybe it's because i'm illiterate and i don't pick up actual books but um it's just not something that i hear that much of thank i'm not that pretty but um that's very interesting um and that sounds and i I, like you love the alternate history stuff i think that's very compelling so thank Mm -hmm. you that sounds like a great pick thank you Excellent, so we will then take another quick break and then be back with our final picks for our favorite books of the year. We will be right back. And we are back with the last round of our best of 2022 books episode. Before we wrap things up, I want to ask my panel, where can people find you on social media? And secondly, do you have any honorable mention books that we didn't cover that you want to talk about? Bob, I'm going to start with you.
2: Yeah, you. for my socials, you can find me at Bob On I'm mostly on Mastodon right now as, as I'm trying to sunset on the on that bird app situation because of all of the, you know, obvious situations that are happening over there. I'm trying to, trying to move away from that. But I'm, so I, I'm still on it a little bit. i um, at DizNerdBob, but mostly on Mastodon. I've got a hive at Bob. I've got Instagram at Bob. I've got all of those things. Um, OnlyFans, um, you know, chat <laughs> roulette, whatever you want to find me on. Just kidding on those last two, but yeah. Um, you can find me there, but I'm also on Goodreads. Bob Berlin, back again, my name. Um, so you can find me there, and you. I actually have a list there. Um, I have a shelf that I created of really what the the top ten books that I read this this year um, from 2022, and you know, from an honorable mention perspective. If if anybody knows me, um, first of all, you know that I love YA. Second of all, you know that I love Heartstopper, um, both the series and the books, and Heartstopper number four. Um, volume four came out at the beginning of this year, and and Volume five, I believe, should be out early next year, um, and at some point, a second season of the show as well. Um, so that's an, that's an honorable mention that I have. There was there was a couple really cool books that I I read this year. That there was one. Um, called An All That's Left in the World by Eric Brown. Eric with a K. You know, that's the evil version of Eric, right, Eric? Yeah, we
1: don't trust those, but it's <laughs> um, fine. Eric with a K. It's called
2: <laughs> All That's Left in the World, and it's in its um, a post-apocalyptic um, where these two boys find each other, um, after an apocalypse and it's a journey of another journey of discovery of of kind of discovering each other and discovering themselves and sexuality and things like that and it's it's really cool as they're trying to make their way through really you know if you think about things like the stand where everybody's gone um and it's just them walking across um the country um a really cool um book to read um so that's another one that i like and then there's another book called kiss and tell by adib karam and it's about a boy band so that's another thing if you know me that i love So of course I loved that book too. So check it out. It's on my Goodreads. You can see that on, on that shelf that I've created and, and hopefully you'll take some of those picks.
1: Awesome. That's a great idea. And we should, if we are on Goodreads, please share that. Um, I am not because again, illiterate, illiterate. Jen,
3: what about you? Um, I'm on social on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as at Jen, J Chen writer. Um, there's a million Jennifer Chen. So that's me. Um, <laughs> I have a book coming out next year. I have an actual date now, uh, November 14th. Oh my gosh, just in time for our best of 2023. And it's a young adult rom-com um, called Artifacts of an Ex. Um, it's, it's about a girl who is an art curator, and her boyfriend dumps her through a mail, like sending her, her b- a bunch of stuff back through in a shoebox, and she starts an art um, exhibit on people's breakup objects and Ooh. then she of course meets somebody at the exhibit that title is i awesome. love it. So, so awesome. yeah oh, thank you yeah
1: it's a really good cannot title. wait to read thank it you. we are going to push the hell out of that so thank you Jennifer. thank you yeah are um, um, there any honorable mentions you want to share
3: yes so i have a secret s- soft spot for celebrity memoirs um, mm, there are a same. lot mariah same. mariah carey um <laughs> I don't know how much she actually wrote of it, but I loved it anyway. The one I wanted to mention was um, "I'm Glad My Mom Died" by yeah. Jeanette McCurdy. Um, I did not know her as an actress because she was on *iCarly*. I mm-hmm. Did not watch that show, but everybody was talking about this book, and I'm like, the titles alone got me. Yeah, yeah. it is incredibly hard to read, but at the same time, I was. It made me super aware of how. Um, scummy some guys were in Hollywood and how they took advantage of teen girls um and what she was put in but also her mom is like the penultimate stage mom in a very very bad way and I've I see that sometimes living in LA but not I've never seen anybody like this so I think it was just one of those books that I could
2: I will never forget
1: <laughs> yeah I heard a lot of people talking about it so I'm yeah, glad it's, you it's
2: mentioned very it. It. it's very yeah. much trending yeah yeah
3: Uh, Any other for you, or the other one I was going to mention is a parenting book, and I I I hesitated to include it, but I personally love it. It's um, Good Inside by Dr. Becky Kennedy. She is an Instagram um, parenting expert, and I know that sounds really hokey, but she is actually super wonderful and lovely, and. I just find her advice to be super helpful and very centered on listening to your kid and being, um, I don't know, she just gives you practical ways of handling things that I've actually used with my kids that has changed my life. So I'm sharing that with other parents because... (laughs) I, for example, I'm gonna give you one example. She has this um, thing called love levels. And if you're in the middle of being super annoyed at your kid, she does like a love levels check-in of like, where's your love level at? And so my kids will be like, up to here. And I'm like, okay, so then I just give them a hug until the love level's over their head. And it actually kind of balances out like the moment so that I'm not like annoyed with them and they have a moment to just calm. And it's revolutionized us and our family to the point where like my kids check in on me or they check on each other like where's your love level do you need a hug That's cute i had never would have thought of that but she just says stuff like that in her book where i'm like it's so smart and so effective and is like not that hard to do <laughs>
1: I love that. That's terrific. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, never yeah. feel bad about mentioning parenting books. I think even though many of our panelists are not parents, uh, we wish that we had had uh, some additional parenting resources available <laughs> for our parents. <laughs> so we're always glad to hear about
3: it. Thank you, Jen. Uh, Michael.
1: I, just think, oh, no, I was go just going to
3: add that I, I hesitate only because I feel like everybody's a parenting expert and that's just a, there's like a thousand parenting books out there and it's, it's overwhelming, so I, but I only recommend it because I think she is actually the real deal. So. Well, I, I've awesome. seen <laughs> lots
2: you. of children out there, and nobody's a parenting <laughs> Nobody expert, either. trust me.
1: Fair point. Michael, how about you? Can you give us your socials and then your honorable mentions?
0: Yeah, pretty much. I'm just out there on um. Instagram as Therax, T-H-E-R-A-X, 329. Um, I do have a Twitter account, but that's just for porn. Um, And you can find me on uh, Goodreads as Michael Schwarz out there for you, too. I'm not as active on there. I'm really bad about keeping up with everything that I put onto Goodreads for us. Um, But I do have... um, I had like three things that I just wanted to mention as honorable mentions. One is old. So this is not a 2022 book, but it kind of feeds back into what I was talking about with um, The Master of Gin and Alternate History. I do really recommend if you have not read it, please read Kim Stanley Robinson's uh, Years of Rice and Salt. It is an absolutely amazing, epic book. It is the perspective of the world of if the bubonic plague had wiped out 99% of the European population instead of just 25% and Europe, in Europe had never colonized the world, it takes oh, the wow. look at where the power centers of the world would have been, China, India, and the Native American tribes of North America and what what the world have looked like. And it is fantastic. And it is laced with a lot of perspectives on uh, Buddhist um, reincarnation theories and how the world changes. You actually have the same set of characters reborn over the course of the centuries that the book covers. Please read Hmm. it. That Sounds for great. modern day, it is. It really is. I've reread it three times, and I get something new out of it every time. Um, for current novels from 2022, I do have two that I wanted to recommend. One is Barbara King Kingsolver's uh, Damon Copperhead. It is a modern retelling of the David Copperfield story from Dickens, but it is set in Appalachia, and it deals with modern issues of poverty, the opioid crisis, and, like, any of those modern t- modern issues that we're dealing with. And Barbara Kingsolver can write a book. She can write you a saga. And like it could be 200 pages, but that woman knows how to deal down into it and really do it. But I do recommend Copperhead. It is going to be a really great read for you. And then I do need to make a plug for a friend of mine who is self-published this year. Jay Van Landingham published their first novel this year. It's called Sentient. It is a very different perspective on the interaction between species and people and everything like that. So please, if you have a moment, give it a check. Check out Jay's book. Uh, They would definitely love some public. They're self-published, but I think that a lot of people would get a good read out of it as well.
1: Awesome. Thank you for that, Michael. Um, For me, um, you can find me at Eric Resniak on all of the things that's uh – E-R-I-C-R-E, Z is in zebra, S is in snake, N is in Nancy, Y-A-K. Curtis Creekmore, if you're listening to this, suggests that my drag name should be Zebra Snake Nancy,
0: um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> which I think is great. Uh, and make sure that you are following at culture d- underscore debate on Twitter for now. We are working on offloading that uh, at great pop culture debate on d- uh, Instagram, which we're also working on offloading eventually, and at GPCD on Mastodon and Hive, as we will eventually be migrating our activity to those channels or other channels that are not currently being run by evil billionaire douchebags. Um, with that being said, oh, do I have any honorable mentions? From the comic world, I will also say that um, Karen Gillen's Immortal X Men run has been terrific. It is a great kind of exploration of some of the biggest, most interesting characters in the X-Men mythos. Uh, each episode or issue focuses on a different one. There's been a Destiny issue, a Mystique issue, uh, a Emma Frost issue. And while it's all about moving the story forward, you really get some great insight into these characters that we've been reading about in some cases for literally like 50 years, but um, he's still making them new and interesting and, and I just love it. So I'm putting that out there. Uh, Uh, with that being said let's move on to our final round of picks bob what's your third pick
2: all right, so um, the last pick that I have for um, for you is was my um, favorite book of the year, and it was called *And They Lived* by Stephen Salvatore, um, who is a um, gay, gender queer author. Um, back harkening back to what um, Jen said, he is a or excuse me, they are a huge Mariah Carey fanatic. Um, they're a Star Wars super fan. Um, this was. A, one of those novels for me that I loved so much, it is YA, um, that I love so much because I related so much to the characters and so many of the emotions and the feelings of somebody who's starting to understand their sexuality starting to understand you know who they are but understanding what it means what it it feels like to have that that that. kind of first attraction or that first feeling for other folks um you know for somebody else um just kind of going through some of those emotions and the ups and downs of like you know do they like me don't they are they gay aren't they you know all of those different components are here so those are the things on the base level that i really loved in in, um, related to, they kind of gave me the tingles throughout. I so was like, "Oh gosh, I remember I was there when I was that age." But um, it focuses on Chase. He's an animation major. He loves Disney movies, which I can relate to that certainly as well. Anything Disney, um, you know, I'm disnerd Bob, as I mentioned a little while ago. Um, recover. He is he is recovering from an eating disorder. He has that body dysmorphia. Really, kind of all of these these anxieties and these things that, you know, younger, younger folks have these days that they're kind of working through and, you know, some of the mental health issues that, that can come up with, with some of the, some kids and and teens these days, um, struggling with their gender identity. Um, he meets Jack, he's a poetry major. Um, they go to, I should mention that they are, um, in college because one's an animation major and one's a poetry major. Jack is absolutely very, very, um, into words, loves words, very much into literature, all of those things, writes, um, writes a lot. And, um, he's still discovering and realizing that he's starting to discover some of his sexual identity as well, longing to kind of explore more in his life because he is coming from a conservative family. He has a conservative best friend, all of those different pieces. They meet at a party at the beginning of the book. And, um, it's kind of that, that, um, for Chase, who, you know, is really the one who's, you know, kind of starting to explore and and trying to figure out like, you know, if this guy Jack is gay, isn't he trying to find himself, you know, this opportunity to to get into a relationship. And um, he, you know, they kind of have that, that that back and forth of like before they kind of get together and you know finally realize that yes this you know they they are going to get together Um, it's really well paced it's snappy super likable characters you really immediately root for both of them Um, you want them to have that happily ever after but they are in both very two different places in their life uh, you know you know Chase is really struggling with, like I mentioned, some of those eating disorders, the body dysmorphia really with under it's that, you know, if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love somebody else that he has a lot of work on himself to figure out? And then Jack is really dealing with a lot of those influences from his family and trying to figure that out. They're in very different places in their journey, where they do love each other, and they do care about each other. And they have a great, great romance throughout this that, you know, it. It those are some of the strains that go on in their relationship. And I I won't give out much more than that to kind of tell you how it ends in the end. I'm certainly not going to go all that way um, to to ruin or spoil the whole thing. But those are some of the dynamics that happen here. It's super fun, Um, super sex positive again. um, So a little bit, maybe more that mature teen YA, um, but I loved it. um, And it was my favorite book of the year. I think Steven Salvatore is terrific. I have read one of his other books. Um, which is, oh, God, what's the title? And it's based off of a Mariah Carey song. Um, oh, my God. I'll look it up as, as we're talking. But um, it has, excuse me, Stephen Salvatore, their first book was was excellent as well. Loved both of them beginning to end. So this is great. Was it uh, glitter? No, no. no. Um, <laughs> and then this, this author does have another book coming out in two uh, in 23 as well. So a lot of great things to celebrate with regards to to Steven Salvatore the author as well as this book specifically so please read it if you enjoy YA just please read it if you don't enjoy if you just enjoy books in general so um there you have it
1: I'm just thinking, if we ever do a best Mariah Carey song episode, we need to get Stephen on our panel. Um,
2: and they would—they're very active on social. They—they they, I have interacted with them many, many times, um, and asked them about about their writing and and kind of given them praise for their writing. And obviously, they're super gracious and and great whenever I do. Um, so it probably isn't a far cry. They might they might take us up on that offer. So.
1: Sweet. Um, and you would say 16 plus for age for that? I think
2: so. I I don't know if anybody else has read it, but... Um, I have. I, I have. You have?
3: Yeah, yeah, because I remember you had mentioned it, Bob, and then I was like, oh, that sounds great, and then I read it. Um, I just, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a sweet, it felt very realistic to 100%. me that he... For me, I I could see his journey, Chase's journey. And then I liked at the end that he wasn't, you know, healed. It was like he still had a journey to go on, but at least he was a little bit further along than he started. And I thought it felt very realistic of that kind of, you know, discovering yourself, but also falling in love and... No, no, it was just, it was a good, it was a great read. So I enjoyed it too.
2: All the secondary characters are really terrific in it as well. Like some of the roommates in in their college dorm, the sex capades that happen and stuff like that are a lot of fun to read. So there's a lot of side stuff that happens too. Um, Sometimes the secondary characters can outshine the primary characters at times, right? In in almost any (laughs) writing. But. Mm -hmm. And I would say too,
3: the uh, the cover of it is also. shows them both in like their true bodies. And I, I like seeing that because I think it's kind of rare <laughs> to see human people on covers. And I think that the cover is gorgeous too. Excellent. Well, thank you. You
1: guys have done some great YA recommendations. I hope people check those out. Um, I will put for my final pick, I know this is going to shock you. It's a comic book. Um, <laughs> it's uh, Miracle Man, The Silver Age by Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham from Marvel Comics. It's arguably premature for this to be on my list as of this recording. Only two of the six issues have actually been published, but the fact that this series exists at all is honestly pretty miraculous to turn a, a phrase. Um, if you don't know the history of Miracle Man, both the property and the publishing situation surrounding it, it would require its own independent podcast episode, if not entire series, to fully cover. It is bonkers. The Cliff Notes version is that in the mid-20th century Miracle Man actually started off as Captain Marvel, better known as today's comics and film fans as Shazam from DC, until a few different lawsuits led to the character eventually being recreated and reframed as Miracle Man. Like Shazam, Miracle Man is an ordinary human being who can utter a secret word. Uh, Miracle Man's is more science-based to Shazam's magical one, and he becomes this immensely powerful being. He also has two se- two teen sidekicks. Uh, their early adventures were fairly standard comic strip fair in the nineteen fifties and sixties, featuring supervillains with kooky schemes. But in the 80s, the character was revived by Alan Moore as a postmodern take on superheroes, exploring how trauma impacts people, the very real human cost of unlimited power, and other concepts that have been done over and over since then, including with The Boys Homelander, The Marvel's The Century, etc. But Miracle Man was one of the first to explore this, if not the absolute first. Due to bankruptcies and lawsuits too numerous to count, the character was in limbo for literally four decades. Then in the mid-2010s, Marvel announced that they had purchased all the rights to Miracle Man and intended to bring him back, continuing the story that was stopped mid-publication in the 1980s from the creators who were working on it at that time, Neil Gaiman, who you know now from The Sandman, and Mark Buckingham, who would go on to be the artist for DC Vertigo's hugely successful *Fable* series, among many other projects. That relaunch stalled again, But as of October 2022, Miracle Man the Silver Age has actually started to be released. This is huge. Buckingham and Gaiman have gone back and reworked the two issues of the miniseries that were originally created in the eighties, and now we get to see where the story is headed. Miracle Man, having essentially forced his way to global domination under the best of intentions, is now faced with the very real question of whether or not he did the right thing. This is further complicated by the return of his former sidekick, who died in combat decades earlier, and the seeming machinations from multiple supporting characters who all seem to have their own agendas it's early to say if this will live up to the hype of a book 40 years in the making again that's not an exaggeration but it is beautifully illustrated by buckingham and so far there are already some very interesting morsels being doled up by gaiman particularly surrounding miracle man's daughter winter and the absolutely shocking climax to issue two that just came out this past week and i was gagged by what happened there and i'm actually surprised it didn't get more media coverage because it's kind of a big deal but bottom line, this is an important piece of comic lore, especially from a metatextual standpoint, and it's incredible that we actually get to see this finally come to fruition, decades after it was started by the same creators who started it back in the 1980s. So, that is my pick. Uh, anybody here familiar with Miracle Man, Michael? Had you read any of it back in the day?
0: No, I have not. I did not back in the day. Well,
1: um, I will say, Todd McFarlane at one point bought the the rights and he got sued by someone and they sued him and the other person like it is it is crazy it's a netflix documentary waiting to be written the number of lawsuits with this thing um but it is it's all very interesting um and it is uh so far very intriguing with that being said jennifer i will pass it off to you for your
3: third pick okay my third pick is ya um it is i kissed Shara wheeler by casey mcquinston Um, I loved her debut book, which as an adult romance, uh, red, white, royal blue, um, fantastic. If you, if you want something really fun to read, um, and she just actually launched a special edition. So there's an extra chapter Mm. in it and some extra illustrations. Um, but anyway, so this is her first YA rom-com and it is about a town in Alabama. Chloe Green moves there with her mom's, um, to I think to take care of a, a sick grandmother and she is competing with Shara Wheeler for Victorian. of course she likes her um, <laughs> of course and um, a month before graduation they kiss and Shara Wheeler leaves her a note a very cryptic kind of strange note so she thinks like okay I'm gonna go find her and we're, we're gonna meet up and stuff but then she finds out that Shara's boyfriend and Shara's neighbor also got a note and also were kissed by her. So the three of them kind of come together to figure out where she completely disappears. Shara disappears, um, and she is the principal's daughter, and she's this kind of prom queen girl and disappears. Nobody can find her. So the three of them come together to go and find her. She's Um, gone, girling. She's just gone. But the thing that I I love about it is that you have very stereotypical characters of like football boyfriend and like kind of you know um singer songwriter neighbor guy who may have a crush on her and they don't turn out to be who they you think that they are and and are tropes that you think that they might be and um the other thing I was going to mention is it's kind of like a Veronica Mars mystery wrapped up in a romance um wow. that's very satisfying
1: Mm, love Veronica Mars. That's a show I haven't thought yeah. of in, in far too long. Yeah, that's great. So, so, what age do you think should be reading uh, "I Kiss Sarah Wheeler"?
3: I actually think it's it veers towards more like anybody in high school. I think you know it's not upper YA, and um, I can't remember too many explicit sexual things. But honestly, I think it's just I had read an interview with her, the the author. And she said that she purposely wanted it to look like a very, not generic book, but that anybody, any small town in the South could pick it up and not have their parents freak out. Mm. Um, And that they could read this and not be like discovered for who they are, if that makes sense. So she purposely like made it sort of not seemingly... I don't know if that makes sense, but she was like, I really wanted it to be a book where someone could pick it up and read it and there wouldn't be questions from outside eyes.
1: I remember when I was uh, in college and I was reading Amistad Maupin's Tales of the City, you couldn't go walking around flashing that with two guys holding hands on the cover, right? You know what I mean? So no, I totally get what you're saying there. That makes perfect sense.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, Thank you. That sounds great. And Michael, your final pick.
0: Brothers and sisters, today I bring to you, (laughs) let us preach, (laughs) preach, my friends. I would like to preach to you the gospel of N.K. Jeminson. She is possibly my favorite author of all time at the moment right now. And I am bringing you my final choice, which is The World We Make. It is a sequel to her novel, The City We Become, so you do need to read that one first before you read this. But it is a simple two-book series from her. They are very quick and easy reads, but they are fantastic. This is a... She's a Brooklyn-based writer, um, and... She is just phenomenal. All of her characters and all of her novels across everything that she has written are POC and or queer. And it just brings such an amazing light into the world for us. Um, I got sucked into her with her Stone Sky Trilogy, which is the first set of books to ever win... um, the Hugo Award for each each one uh, hmm. sequentially. So each year that they came out, they each won the Hugo Award for them. And they are a fantastic one. But this series that she wrote, um, it is basically taking a new look at what are cities and how do they become and how do they form their personalities. She does that by creating avatars for each of the city and this city this story takes a place in new york of course where there is a main avatar one person who represents the city of new york but they are also supported by somebody who represents each of the five boroughs of the city as well we have somebody mm. that represents manhattan brook bronx queens brooklyn and a fifth borough
1: <laughs> staten island
0: You'll have to read the book to figure out what I mean by that.
1: I can't even imagine what an avatar for Staten Island might look like.
0: Um, But no, but like she creates these characters and especially living in New York and being from this, from the metro area, pretty much, she creates these characters that are like quintessential about what they represent. And the whole story revolves around the fact that, um, city, New York is only the second city in the new world to become like to be born to become sentient in a in a sense right after Sao Paulo and Brazil, but there she represents these cities all over the world. You have Tokyo and you have Istanbul and you have Cairo and all these places that are represented and what their personalities are like and it just the interactions with them and the character again again world building is great in science fiction and fantasy and it really is a cornerstone of it but it's really about the characters that they get there and the life that she imbues all of these characters with really just gets you excited it's like page turning i can once i once a new book this was my third choice like when we found out we were doing this this was the first book that was going to be on my list and it hadn't even been released yet Oh, okay. So when Eric told me we were doing this, I'm like, okay, my first book is going to be N.K. Jeminson. (laughs) This wasn't released until November 1st. Oh, wow. So I'm like, I know that regardless, I will put her book on this list. Um, She is just a fantastic author, but the world that she creates, it is, if you're from the New York area or you've ever visited New York or know anything about New York, you can pick it up and you can read it and you can get a sense of the city um the life that is the city that never sleeps you know the whole sense of new york and these characters that she creates including like a character for staten island and eric whatever you think about staten island that is really what the character is going to be like
1: seriously i'm seeing tj max as a person
0: <laughs> no her like the character that represents staten island is the only white character in the book her name is That sounds right. is Island. It 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 her name is literally like she's born with the name Island, but a, a, like an Irish Gaelic spelling of the of the word and her last name is Houlihan. and her dad <laughs> is an N, and her dad is an NYPD cop. Yep. So like and all of the stereotypes that go along with Staten Island. It being the only red part of this entire city. You know, It just does that. But then you have, she's bounced out by the, the suave um, Manny who represents Manhattan or you have (laughs) Bronca from the Bronx or a character literally named Brooklyn or the representative of Queens. The world borough is a Pakistani woman who emigrated here. You know, it's like it, it, it just really represents the breadth and the culture of the city while fighting off, Multi-dimensional demons, basically,
1: (laughs) as one does. Yes, a
0: rich tapestry. It is (laughs) the 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 picture that she weaves, this mural that she creates with the words for these. I am a big fan of this author. I literally only started reading her about a year and a half ago, and I have devoured everything, single thing that she has written. She has an amazing collection of short stories. She has three trilogies that she has written. Go read her, but you definitely should pick up The City We Become and The World We Make. It will enlighten you, it will entertain you, and you will want to devour the rest of what she has written.
1: Fabulous. Has anybody... And that is read, my gospel. I uh, let the church say amen. Has anyone here read any of N.K. Jemisin?
2: No, I have not, but definitely... But you will, you will now. now. You, definitely, you definitely piqued my interest, so... For
0: sure, for sure. The Stone Sky trilogy. Start there, Bob.
2: Okay.
1: Well, excellent. Thank you all very much. Those are our picks. Did you read any of them? Do you have any opinions of your own? Is there something else that we missed? This episode is just the beginning of the discussion, so let us know your favorites on social media and at greatpopculturedebate.com. A big thank you to my panelists. You guys are far more well-read than I am, and I will vow to actually read a big boy book without pictures (laughs) before we do this again in 2023. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you check out Great Pop Culture Debate's other Best of 2022 episodes. Devoted to music, television and film And all releasing between now and the end of the year Make sure you're all subscribed to the podcast On Spotify, Apple Podcasts YouTube, Audible, wherever else you listen to Great Podcasts, and that you follow us On all of its social media accounts For all the latest news And you better buckle up, because the Great Pop Culture Debate Has plenty more for you in 2023 Head to greatpopculturedebate.com Right now to vote on the polls for the season 7 episodes, we're talking Best share song, best TV detective Best queer film, and best Disney Park Ride, just to name a few. Then in January, we'll be releasing our Patreon-sponsored episodes, which include Best Children's Board Game, Best Song of 1985, Best Best Actress Oscar Winner, and Best America's Next Top Model Photoshoot. So fun! We look forward to an amazing 2023, and remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinion.